Welcome back to Outtakes. It's been a while. I'm Thomas Gonzora. We here at Testudo Times launched this podcast in the spring with the goal of making Maryland sports figures seem more like people. In the first episode, which is linked below, I talked to Daryl Morcel and Reese Mona about the Campus Challenge, which is where the Maryland basketball team played a bunch of club teams like the club dodgeball team, the club's volleyball team, at their own games. And that turned into a larger conversation about life on campus as an athlete. The intention obviously wasn't for it to take five months to record another one of these. I wanted to do one during the summer, but I wasn't on campus. The athletes weren't in season, and some other things took a lot of our time. Uh, In particular, Jordan McNair's death and the fallout resulting from that, which could change the whole course of the university. McNair was actually someone who was mentioned by Morcell as one of his other athlete friends. Both are from Baltimore. Morcell went to Mount St. Joseph. McNair went to McDonough. And I did think about that at you know a few different points during the summer. Is that McNair's loss is one that's felt by all of Maryland, and not just the football team, and not just those who were even close to him. But one cool thing that happened this summer, and that's what we'll talk about here. You might have missed it, but a current Maryland golfer qualified for the Women's British Open in July. Ludovica Farina, a senior from Italy, shot three under sixty-nine in Monday qualifying at Royal Lytham in St Anne's. That got her into a 12-person playoff where she grabbed one of the spots to the Open Championship. She shot 73 in the first round and then 84 in the second round. Missed the cut, but even making that tournament's really a success for her. I caught up with Lulu, as they call her, a couple of weeks ago. I intended to post this before now, but life got busy. We talked about the experience. We talked about playing against one of her idols in that playoff. Now she can translate this experience into this season and beyond. And then, Jared and I were able to sit down and talk some golf. So that's what we've got for you. Hope you enjoy it. All right, Lisa, you qualified for the Women's British Open this summer. What was that process like of going there, qualifying and playing? Um, well, it wasn't the first time I was doing it. I actually tried to qualify the past two summers. Um, Two years ago, on my fresh, on the summer of my freshman year, I got to the second stage, didn't make it for two shots, and the summer of my junior year, sorry, um, it I didn't make it for a shot to the second stage. So like, I've been already experiencing the second stage, which you can literally see the difference from the first stage. There are more like LPGA players because only the first 100 quali- automatically qualified to play. So a lot of like good players actually have to go through the second stage. But of course, I mean, it's it's like each stage it's a different world and you get higher and higher and you just can't believe it because apart from the, this tournament, the European level is not really that high Mm -hmm. Uh, of course it's one of the majors so you found I mean this kind of level only at the British Open and at the Vian which is the other major play in Europe I play other professional tournament but of course it can even like compare the experience so the there are two stages to qualifying that means yes so it's like the I also try to qualify for the US Open and uh, there are kind of dif- like they are completely different actually. So the U.S. Open works where there are a lot of like st- 
um, qualifiers like they are around the country they are any time of the year throughout the entire year and uh, but for quali actually qualifying you do 36 holes in one day and you have to get a, either like win it or right second for getting your spot meanwhile this just because it's such like you know like special place and everything is where like golf board there are just like two stages of qualifying first stage and second stage there is that one just that one stage and some people get exemption for the first stage but not of the second and instead of having the first two that are uh, um, allowed it to play to the next stage it's just like usually stop 15 top 10 it depends how many people actually get exempt and by the rankings so they will communicate the day before how many spots are available and you just gotta try to make it to that top 15 top 20 it's usually more about top 15 and if there are tights there is a playoff in fact i end up playing i couldn't play the first playoff this year because uh, at the first stage because i had to fly over Bruxelles for another international tournament with the Italian national team but I was enough lucky that some players withdraw and so as a, a tight for the playoff I got into the second stage and at the second stage we are actually playing uh, for seven spot in hmm. 12. Yeah so I was actually about to ask about that <laughs> so I mean you I believe you shot three under yes and then you had I imagine to wait for a while, yes. and then you ended up in a 12-person playoff. So, what yeah. is the waiting like, and what do they, how do they do a 12-person playoff? Oh yeah, well, so first of all, if I could like, I didn't expect that because I tried to compare as much as possible with my first year experience at uh, the second stage, and like with two under, you actually got automatically in. So I was like, okay, I should minus three. I should give myself enough room for like, you know, getting to like playing it. And actually, like, I ended up knowing that there were so many low scores, and I was like, wow, cool. And then I waited a little bit in the team room, because, like, in the locker room, because I, um, we had, uh, actually, I think, three hours-ish. And after I warm up for an hour, thinking that I could have actually, you know, got to warm up and play, but at the end, like, it didn't really work to anything, because by the time I got on the box we were in 12 and they split us in two teams of six so like the, it was also like instruction so everybody gotta pick a tee like who is gonna be the first six the second six end up also being in the second six and uh, we all playing together which is so long it takes forever in fact actually on my second shot at the first hole of playoff I totally shank it and went on the green of another hole and the local rules say that I couldn't even drop it outside of the green so I had to invent for myself like a chip shot from 40 yards to the pin from another green managed to do par, get to the second playoff so I was like okay this is more like a survival thing I guess like I just need to go with the flow but it was, it was cool it was cool because I think a lot of like you know good players made stupid mistakes for this reason because you were literally playing a shot every 25 minutes and also like so after the first hole we 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 counted down in eight because uh, out of the 12 three got a bogey so we're out of the playoff and one got a birdie so automatically getting to the uh open so we were eight for uh, six spots and I got to play thankfully only the second hole meanwhile the playoff went on for other five holes but it was pretty funny because I was also in the team with Paula Kramer which growing up has always been one of kind of like my golf model mm -hmm. so it was like of course threatening but also like 
I enjoy it. Yeah, I was going to ask that a little later. I mean, who were, you know, some of the people you watched growing up, either, you know, Italian golfers or women's golfers yeah. or whoever? So, well, I was, like, even in my first experience of, like, uh, qualifying for the British Open, I got to play the second stage with Giulia Molinaro, which is one of our best um, golfers in Italy as a professional. Of course, like, I always kind of, like, model her, but actually Italian golf is, it's on its way to develop like we have been w winning like the last five years like three european championship but there aren't a lot of models to look up to so i would say more like you know the american models kind of like paula creamer when i grew up she was playing pink balls and i play i think for at least four years with her same ball press at 22 pink gotta be signed to paula creamer whatsoever and after i actually uh, had the opportunity to play as an amateur with Lydia Ko, like in the same tournament. So like that kind of became also my idol because she was even younger than me and shooting like crazy scores. So it was like, mm -hmm. whoa. And, yeah. And I think I made this uh, joke when we wrote about this the first time was there was one Italian in the men's British Open yes. and he won the tournament. Yes. There's one Italian in the women's British yes. Open. <laughs> well, my aspiration were, you know, like even just playing, it was like, so excited about everything but um i mean you know it's not like i was like okay yeah i'm gonna go and win this but i mean i i really i really believed that i could have made the cut and once like thing didn't went the way like what happened was that i got my first double so i was like okay i can come back from that and i actually I, it's a really weird thing to say but i actually kind of felt that i could have hold hold it the next one and it took the flag and went to the bunker and it, there it's kind of when I realized okay I guess that's not the day for me to make the cut mm -hmm. but I kept fighting and everything and I, I play more aggressively I gotta say of what I would have done in any other kind of round but mm -hmm. I mean I was there so I had to try it you know and it was great shooting what I shoot the first round and my playing partner were amazing like I actually played the practice round with the defending champion and realized that after the 11th hole that she was the defending champion she didn't even speak to me or anything but I couldn't understand why so many people were coming to watch our practice round and after realizing she was the defending champion I was like this is gonna be such a hard experience because I mean usually Asian are not that expensive like in general as a golfer even when I play amateur, like they don't really talk, so it's like I'm gonna just—it's gonna just be me, myself, and I. And after I end up playing with like two really good pros, they like actually help me to have like kind of a model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 73 the first day, 84 the second day. I mean, what do you, what what else do you really remember about? those two rounds well um, I was in a really of course good place with my game because I just should uh, minus three in the qualifying round and it was kind of like the same golf course of course like it was different golf course but same kind of like aspects about it um, I remember for sure the bunkers because those are the ones that cost me shots most of the times so I got a I had a triple bogey trying to hit from a bunker where you could have access only with stairs because it was too deep. I was close to the edge, try, didn't even try to hit it to the pin. I was trying to hit it backwards, hit the edge of the bunker, came back, hit myself, and went also in the same David. So I end up still trying to hit backwards, got out, and I had to save an up and down for a triple. And I was like, this is just nuts. 
you know like like if you get those i i also see my blame partners like if you get those bunker you just gotta be lucky with it you know and trying to don't go there of course like if you play more aggressive trying to do more birdies that that's what you get and i know it because it wasn't my first experience playing like in those kind of like lean golf courses but it's still painful mm -hmm. to like lean yeah i mean because that's a that's a whole different style of golf from oh, what yeah. you see really anywhere else so what were the other big adjustments between that sort of course obviously on a championship setup and what you'll play normally uh well i think another reason why i played that good is also because i have a really good rhythm and when there is that much win the good thing is like if you hit it you know maybe you are not long here but you have a good rhythm hit it pretty straight like you're not gonna make that many mistakes I start to make mistakes when I try to be more aggressive to the, as I say, to the pins. So like, make made sense to me, but I had to try. So um, yeah, I also like uh, won the qualifying of the British Cures in 2014 and uh, arrived to the semifinals. So it wasn't like new to me, like having good performance in this kind of golf course is still tough because it's not necessarily that because uh, your rhythm is good, you necessarily gonna like, you know, shit good, but you just gotta play around with your game, have an open-minded, um, you know, approach to the golf course and to the shots that you wanna play. I play a lot of like hybrid as a chip shot or woods, which I usually never do, but it was like, I, I could imagine it just in that way. So I guess that was one of my strengths. Other than golf, what, what did you do there and what did you do on the weekend? Uh, well, I for sure took advantage of, it was mainly golf, honestly, I took advantage of the facilities, I kind of like tried to spy on my idols, like what were their like pre-game routines or like post-game routines, what they would do, um, I went just around and watched some golf courses because it's always nice and they always play like, you know, championships in there, and um, there was a, um, uh, how do you call it? Um, park, uh, you know where there are the roller coasters. Yeah, yeah. There Amusement was parks. Uh, yes. I was like, uh, I was in Blackpool. My father wasn't fully sure if it was the safest thing to do, but <laughs> I was like, whatever. I'm just gonna do it. I deserve it, and I'm. I, nothing happened, so it was cool. <laughs> so you said you've you've played in England before. Um, how many, do you know how many countries you've played in, or have you lost count? Well, I've lost count because I'm. Still traveling with the Italian national team since I was 12. I can definitely tell you that out of like Great Britain, I usually tend to play better in Ireland and in England, and I'm really bad in Scotland. I don't know why, like I just can't. I, and it's, they're always the same golf course, but like when I'm in Scottish ground or Wales, like I don't like it. I don't have good vibes from the, those countries. So, you know, as an international player like yourself, I mean, what is the the motivation to come to the States and play college golf? Um, I guess what every European uh, face when they are 18 and kind of like deciding what they want to do of their lives, they're like, they face the obstacles and not many European um, countries have, you know, like the opportunity to 
pursue your career and at the same like academic career get a degree and at the same time play high level competitive golf like now some universities are starting to creating like you know golf teams and like sport teams but it's still not as competitive as here in the United States as well like European tour you don't really gain that much money so like you kind of want to like try to compete in higher level and a lot of like you know good players in the LPGA went through college so it's a good you know test for yourself if you're actually ready for it or not and also see which are the difference because I notice how each um, I wouldn't say necessarily country but how each continent has different characteristics like if you go in Europe usually golf courses are shorter and narrow meanwhile here they are wider and like longer um, Asia it's more like Europe but they are even more hilly so like it's kind of like different you gotta adjust your mm -hmm. game what is the recruiting process like for you know an international player like yourself yeah. to come to I guess Maryland specifically yeah so well um, at the beginning on like kind of like my here players or older players that I know it was kind of like you either were the best of the your national team if it was Italian or Spanish or French or whatever just because recruits would have come only to two tournaments which were the most important in Europe which was European Girls uh, Team Championship which I end up never playing because they always put me in the ladies team championship even as a 118 player and the other was the British Girls which is the one that I end up playing really good on um, 2014 and gave me a lot of opportunities to United States College. Now it's kind of like a little bit different because a lot of like um, coaches, uh, especially women's golf, find um, international, like especially European, like are adapting really good to American golf courses and everything. So like, of course, they're asking feedbacks on how they can improve recruit. And after if you're Italian, maybe you, you know some other Italians that have different situation, maybe they reach the top best player and you're trying to get that player or someone that has, you know, good uh, potential. In fact, half of my team is Italian, helping recruit and I also help recruit to French gears that mm -hmm. I knew previously by competing with them with Italian, like national teams. But um, when in 2014 I played really good, the British girls, after it was a matter of like deciding which university where to go, I was uh, contacted by University of Maryland, uh, Old Dominion, Florida Gators, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, among others, which were more in the north, so weren't really enough, like I didn't really consider them. And at the end I decided Maryland, because of like their great location, it's close to DC, it's on the east coast, so it's not like too far from home. I know at this point you are still far from home, but still like, it's 11 hours instead of like 20. And uh, of course the coaching stuff, which I really like. Last year, I know your team was entirely international players. Yes. So what is what's that dynamic like? I know you said you you had played against a couple of them before, but but just what is that dynamic? Uh, well, it's not that like it's any different from this year. We have only one international uh, or one American, sorry. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, it's hard because you know each person has its own way to like do things, and even like the experience we have been like we are also like we are talking about a team that. Uh, that never have been exposed to like playing as a team. I've been playing with the Italian national team, but that it's on you. You know, if you're enough good, you will make it next year. When you go to tournaments with them, you're playing as Ludovica Varina from Italy. You're not playing as 
team Italy. Like we have only like literally two, one tournament per year where we are like team Italy. So it's not like you are used to like, you know, coordinate with others and like holding each other accountable. You actually, it like it's, it, it can be hard that part, but uh, I think it's cool having so many different aspects. So like we gain a lot from each other, you know, and like a lot of times like I've been exposed only to the Italian way of doing things and it was cool to learn more about like the Thai way of doing things or like French way of doing things, even like among like training Italian, like their national teams and stuff like that. So college golf tournaments are obviously kind of an odd thing with the team aspect, but you're playing individually and there's a coach and there's, you know, a lot of other things going on. I'll phrase it this way is other than it's golf and you know there's a course are th- are those tournaments in the same world as the women's british open um i mean they are in terms of like probably they are in terms of like competitiveness like you find a lot of really good players and you know maybe the british open you walk around and you can see the leaderboard so you're like okay i can see like the leaders minus eight, like they were leaderboards every three holes and and everything and in in college golf, yes, they're like recording this course, but it's like, like you don't know until then if you're like you're actually close to win or anything. It happened to me at Penn State that I actually was I finished top six, and I had no clue. I was trying to you know to do my my own thing, but apparently if I would have made those two three pots more, I would have won, which is kind of sad because you know if you would have known it, and I, I guess also like you know the coaches can't really be at anywhere, so like it's not that. They're gonna tell you, hey, you might wanna get three birdies the last three holes, so you gotta like you can win this tournament. But for sure, the most like the the biggest difference, which doesn't apply to any like professional or amateur or like any con- like any different countries, that college golf has 36 holes with no stop. Like it happens sometimes in amateur golf, like internationally, that you have 36 holes, but at least you have a break between like the first 18 and the second 18. And it's usually more for match play, like British girls. But um, for sure, I never experienced playing 36 holes all in one round with no break, no lunch break, no like, your train of thought completely goes away. You gotta be focused, it's, it's challenging. After seeing so many of the best in the world, what is it that separates them from so many golfers such as yourself? Um, I would say, well, compared to myself, one of the main thing will be distance because I'm not a long hitter and I realize I need to work on my strength and strength in general. I mean, most of the players were literally to double of me. They were really tall and really massive. So I need to get better at that. And apart from that, like, you know, mental game, I started, um, Catherine Kirk was one of the players I was playing with and she started really bad. She started like after the first city and she shoot five over. She should have even shot more for how she played. Like I literally didn't see her hit that many balls in the center of the club face. And the second round, like I think she missed the cut for one shot and she even started with a double bogey. And it's, you know, like that thought of like never giving up, like never, ever, ever. She had like me, unfortunately, lies in the bunker, but that didn't make her, like didn't affect her game. And I mean, yes, of course she started bad, so she had more room, like it's different from starting good and finish not bad because you don't have that much like 
room to improve, but at the same time, I think it was cool out. None of them really quits ever, and at a really mental, a really strong mental game. Individually, how much extra confidence did qualifying for the Open uh, give you heading into the season? Well, it, it, you know, it was of course confidence, but I think you need also uh, to be humble. And I knew like it, w it was great. It, I did to myself the, one of the best person I could have ever done in my life. It's something that I will always bring with me. But at the same time, you know, it was 18, 18 was qualifying round and I mean, I gained a lot of experience, not necessarily, like I still had to qualify, for example. It's not that my coach told me, oh, you play the British Open, we're gonna play you first as the lineup. And I think it was it was cool, you know, because it helped you to stay with the feet on the ground. Maybe like, um, I don't know, like repeating that or like getting in the future qualifying for the US Open, maybe after that I can be pretty confident. I I'm confident about my game. I'm just like, you know, want to stay with the feet on the ground and take it a shot at a time and a tournament at a time. Where do you see your own career going after this season? Uh, well, I'm going to take a fifth year because I'm, I'm taking academically a little bit slower. I'm also having two minors, so that would help me to next year be the undergrad assistant coach and also like trying to start to play some uh, pro tournament as either as amateur or either as a pro depending on how the qualifying over the summer goes. And after that, I will guess I'll draw my line. I, f I for sure want to give myself at least one, two, three years as a pro. I'm not fully sure if it's going to be here or in Europe and based on how I'm I will experience those two, three years if I will continue it or not. All right, well, uh, best of luck. Best of luck this season. Thank and you very much. hear from you again. Thank you. Now it's time for From the Stands. I'm here with Jared Goldstein. And Jared, I want to start with one of the things Lulu talked about was playing competitively against one of her idols and Paula Creamer in really a sudden death playoff. I mean, I think golf more than any other sport allows for things like that because of really the length of careers that golfers have. I mean, we see it a lot on the PGA Tour with Tiger Woods and players who grew up watching him competing with and against him. I think that's, it happens in a lot of sports, but I feel like that's one where it's most common. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you touched on it with the, the longevity of people's careers. It's like, you're not really going to see, uh, Trey Turner play against Derek Jeter, really. You know, maybe you get a year or two, maybe. Um, but, you know, Tiger's going to play for another however many years, probably, knock on wood. Um, and young golfers can break in in their late mid to late teens, and you can play into your mid to late 40s. So, you know, that's a full generation. And so, you know, just like you said, like golf kind of allows that to happen more than anything else. And it's also being an individual sport is like so much more personal also where, you know, it's you and the person or people you're playing with and like, that's it. Instead of a team setting where there's, you know, five or nine or 11 or whatever of you, you know, on, on a squad. So it's, it even magnifies that even more at that point. So it's just one of those things, you know, no, just another reason why golf is one of my favorite sports. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and then not only to, to go and play your idol, but to beat them in that right. setting, especially in such a weird setting. I mean, we've we've played competitive golf on the high school level. We weren't 
quite good enough to, to play for Maryland or not even close. <laughs> but you never were part of a 12-person playoff, were you? No, I was never part of any playoff because I wasn't good enough to get in there. <laughs> but um, I guess tryouts are like the closest thing because there were, you know, X many, you know, X teen people playing and you had to be one of the best eight, but being one of the best eight out of 15 is much different than being the best one out of 12. So it's, <laughs> that's that's my closest, honestly, my closest uh like personal experience that is it just it doesn't it doesn't and didn't happen to me so that's I mean that's really it for me the closest thing is a teammate of mine in high school we were at uh the district tournament however many people I think it was six went to regionals so it was two teams out of the eight went to regionals and then the top six among players not on those teams also went to regionals I was so bad on the first day I got benched for the second day but my friend um, was he, he played well the first day. He was playing really well the second day. He took, I believe, an 11 on the final hole. Oh, it's this it's this weird par five has oh. like out of bounds left and whatever. And so he just like we was playing great and then self destructed. I didn't realize he took an 11 until you know he told me after the round because that's the thing with high school and even college tournaments as Lulu and I talked about is you, you really don't know where you stand all yeah. the time. She was in a tournament where she didn't know she was in contention. And thus didn't play as if she had a chance to win. Right. And so, but in that case, like this kid walks off the green and we find out later he's in a four-person playoff for two spots. And oh, so. After making an 11? After making an 11. Oh, what if he just made a 10? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Not that anyone wants and to so, make a 10. And yeah. so suddenly, you know, it's those four guys going um, back to the first tee and they're just going to play the whole course until someone you know until two of them escape and i think he i don't remember if he got through with par or bogey but he did get through but but like all of us are you know every team is there just kind of watching yep and i think everyone who didn't have i think there was one team had two guys in the playoff so everyone except that team just really had to be rooting for the guy competitive golf in general is just so different from yeah your regular round. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I remember, um, the only year I was good enough in high school to even be in any of these tournaments was my senior year. And I qualified for the state tournament as a single, not part of the team that qualified. Um, and then we actually played at the university of Maryland for the state championship and I had played there three times before and never shot worse than a 77. And then I made two pars the entire state tournament and shot like an 89. And it's just, it's competitive golf is a different animal. You know, I am confident I could go out on whatever day and shoot maybe single digits over par. But if you put me in a tournament right now, I can't promise you anything as I could I could, you know, play as well as I know I can play sometimes, or or I could just absolutely self-destruct like you're talking about. It. It's it's a different animal, and it goes back to it being an individual sport. There is no one to lean on if things start going wrong. You can't always pass the ball to your best player. You can't always, you know, shade 
to help one way. It's just you and a tiny little ball and a slightly larger than that ball hole three and a half plus football fields away more often than not. And that's just, it's, it's so difficult and, and different than, you know, it's, it's wild. We, uh, re- we recorded that interview a couple days actually before the Ryder Cup, which <laughs> not to remind you of the Ryder Cup. Don't want but, to talk about it. But hey, like Farina's countryman, Francesco Molinari, did go 5-0. and So something about the Italian mojo. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think uh, Francesco Molinari shoots at the University of Maryland golf course from the back tees? From the back tees? Do we have a yardage on that? Do we? I believe it's seventy fifteen. Oh, so it's really short. It would be short for and it's a 70, most tour players. Yeah, par seventy one. Seventy one. So you're talking like average. Like if you played ten rounds, what is, what's his average? Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, I just gotta think about certain things that I can't do that a professional golfer probably could. Uh. Number one on that list is leg putting, which like, yeah, 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 exactly. And so that's just wedge play, and a all handful that. of strokes, and wedge play is a handful of other yeah. strokes, and also he's definitely reaching all three of those par fives and two, which is possible for us, but not all three in the same round, more than likely. Yes, um, maybe one <laughs> if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any par fours they can reach? He could reach. I can reach the seventeenth, so he can reach the seventeenth. Seventeenth uh, is a weird angle. I put it on the front of the green last week. I was so excited. I hit like a giant draw around the corner, and it was like two feet on the green. I was freaking out. So that was cool. Did you make the birdie? I did make a birdie. There yeah. you go. Um, lag putting. The lag putting was great. Yep. Pin was in the back. I just there you well, go. not about me. But I'm just trying to think like what. So where do I get in trouble on the course? is like it doesn't matter if I have a wedge or a seven iron if I'm not hitting it solidly it's not going to hit the green so uh, he could probably shoot like a 64 average is my guess maybe average 64 like he's going to go out and shoot a 60 twice and like maybe one day the wind blows a lot and so he shoots a 68 but like it's got to be a mid to low 60 because it's short there's nowhere that's really – there's all that much danger. Like, There's a creek on one hole. There are yeah, a it's few just water like, hazards, you know, a few really deep bunkers. But but I would also trust him as one of the best golfers mm-hmm. in the world to just not hit it in yeah. any of those bunkers because that's not something that they do. So, yeah, I, I'm going – I'm rolling with 64. Maybe 64 point something just mm-hmm. because it would probably it would be a little higher than that. But is he, he'd tear that course up, just simply put, for sure. Uh, uh, while we're talking about the UMB course, one thing that I wasn't really in a great position to ask Lulu about, because that is there, – there is another proposal. This was something that happened when we were in high school. It happened, I think, right before we got here. People have been talking about getting rid of that golf course they for They better a long not. Time. Yeah, let me tell you, it better not. I like that course was on the list of reasons that I really wanted to go to Maryland. Oh yeah, it was because like really the first 
time I spent any sort of extensive period at Maryland was a, I went to a summer camp at you know that was based at the golf course. Yeah. It was me trying to get better for my senior year of high school, which it worked initially, and then I started playing badly again. <laughs> but such is life. Yes, but that one is still in a very initial stage, and so we weren't able to. We're we're not really talking about that with the golfers at this point, um, but it's something we can talk about here. Obviously, you and I are going to be a little biased here because we like the course and we like golf and we like playing it. Um, would you play it if it was 14 holes? <laughs> I, I wish people could just see my face, the face I just made. I don't – how do you have a 14-hole Yeah, what do you do? That doesn't even make any sense. Like I, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, you could have a nine-hole golf course. You could even have like – a three-hole golf course if you're just having like a little, you know, pitch and putt. Like this doesn't really exist. But You like, could do like 12. Maybe it does. That's, you could do multiples You could have the front three. six, back six, and yeah. then you play one of the sixes again. Sure. There you go. That makes sense. I, I was saying – Because it matters do, a lot to people that they get to play 18 during the day. Right. So, I, you know, I think you could do nothing less than six, but it would have to be – a multiple of three. Like if you had 10 holes, I don't know how that would work. If you have 14 holes, I don't know how that would work. If you had 15, maybe you could figure it out where like you just kind of loop back around and play one, two, three again. Is that convenient for anyone? No. Is that how golf is meant to be played? No. But what do you, with 14, like, it just there's something about the number 14 as it relates to 18 that just doesn't make sense. Taking two holes off of each nine, and then so would you go around and you play one through nine, and then one, and then ten through fourteen. Like I, that just it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make any sense at all. I can't even come up with a plan for how it would work the front seven and the back seven and you're playing two holes it doesn't work it just doesn't and if they're going to do that i'm not going to be i'm very clearly not going to be happy uh um, front 10 back four you play the back four again yeah like what do you <laughs> that's dumb no it's just but that's then, that's but then it's not dumb. even and it's just like yeah. the i don't know how you do tea times with that because then you have like a million people on the back four and then the back back four like how, that just doesn't you get a people doubling up and then there's 18 people on a hole and then it's just i don't know what, what are they trying to put there like more track and field yeah, they're, they're, they, they were going to try to move the track and field stuff from what's wrong with where it is can someone is there an explanation it's not a great that? facility it's not but like what if they just fixed it where it was because clearly there's already space for it there. Like Cole Fieldhouse was pointless basically five years ago. I say that as someone who enjoys intramural sports and would have loved playing them in Cole Fieldhouse, but it wasn't really being used for anything. Trevor so, Noah did a show there our freshman year. Yeah, exactly. So they're having comedy shows in a field house with no air conditioning. So they – tore it down and turned it into something that's going to be useful for way more people than 
most people realize it's going to be useful for. Yeah. So it's like that makes sense. I don't know why you have to separate a track. I don't know. I don't really get that, the whole track and field complex moving to the golf course. First of all, that land isn't flat either. So I don't know what they're going to do to like – like track and field complex has to be flat. So are they just going to dump a whole bunch of dirt somewhere <laughs> to make it flat? That's also like a wildlife protected area that's like – an Autobahn society, like protected mm-hmm. space. And so sure. There's a bunch of like green people who are all like, ah, and like, I agree with them. So it's, uh, um, I know it just doesn't make any sense to me. I could go either in circles or just on and on about this for like ever. Um, because that's what I tend to do. But like, it just – if you make a golf course 14 holes, just – and I hate to say it, just get rid of the whole thing. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. And then go like somewhere else where I don't have to see you because I'll be mad at you. So don't do that at Wallace Lowe <laughs> and other people. Mostly other people. Mostly other people, but if, like also him. If if this goes anywhere where – you know, if this ends up – continuing to progress. This is something you know, we'll have to really write about because that's that's serious stuff. But, Jared Goldstein, you will not be part of that operation. By the time this goes on the internet, you will have officially left us for Inside Maryland Sports. You are their new football recruiting beat writer. That, How do you feel about yeah. that? Uh, look, I mean, I will have, everyone will have seen the, you know, uh, farewell letter and farewell tweets. Um, and so, you know, those are kind of my thought out thoughts. Um, but just, you know, thank you again to you for, for bringing me on and Ryan Connors for helping, you know, that first few months when I was like, how do you write stuff on the internet really? Um, cause I had been sort of doing it, but not at a, at a large operation that, you know, the left bench is, where I started, that place is awesome. It's just a different animal than, you know, an SB Nation affiliated blog with thousands of followers and thousands of readers. Um, and so that, that's really my first taste of like the internet blogosphere of sports writing, blogging, um, whatever. Uh, it It provided me a platform to build my own brand, which really just centers around screaming in type about Maryland sports, um, with gifts, uh, that, I mean, if someone could put a gif on my tombstone one day, hopefully very far in the future, um, that would be great. If someone figures out how to do that, let me know. What gif would you put? I don't know. Um, I feel like it would have to be a football one just cause I feel like I get more into football than basketball. Um, but the first one that pops in my head was actually Bruno Fernando dunking on <laughs> any one of the people he dunked on. Probably on the alley-oop during the Iowa game. That one was mm-hmm. unreal. Um, there was the ultimate like DMV moment where Kasim Hill came in at Texas two years ago. I guess that's two years ago. A year and a half ago. Uh, and... 
ran into the end zone and Seam Hill putting the DMV on his back. Um, that was like the first one I tweeted that like just went huge because everyone loves the quarterback at Maryland from the DMV. Um, so maybe that one, um, not have to think about any others, but some, I mean, there have been, there have been some really fun ones. There have been some really bad jokes that didn't hit, that didn't blow up. Um, but that's, I mean, it's, it's just kind of goes to show that, you know, some people build a brand on, on writing on, you know, scooping whatever and being, you know, investigative reporter, or some people just have really great takes on certain things, or some people are just always on top of everything and they never miss a beat. And some people tweet gifts. And I, you know, I'm happy to have dabbled in some of those other areas, but, um, I'm, I'm thankful that we all at Test Suit Times all had the opportunity to do any and all of those things at some point. So that's kind of, you know, the awesome freedom that, that came with it. And ultimately something that, you know, led me to another other place that lets, you know, me do, and I, I probably should have mentioned this in my whole big lead up to, you know, I'm leaving, um, is that I have always, since I've been in college, had this obsession with college football recruiting. And that's kind of what led me to the left bench. And then in turn to Testudo times. And then again, to, to inside MD sports, to, to the 24 seven network, which is like the recruiting site on the internet. Um, that for football recruiting is like where you kind of want to go. So like to have that opportunity now is just something I didn't really think would ever happen or be possible. Um, but I'm both scared and, and a little excited to, to take it on and, and see where I go from there. Well, I'll let you get to that. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah. And thank you for all your help. Appreciate it. It's been great. It's certainly the end of an era and now it's the end of the show. So thank you again to Lulu and Jared for coming on and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.